everyone, I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Kelly Evans to answer our medical questions. Dr. Evans' specialty is internal medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Evans. Good morning, Laura. How are you today? Doing well. Thank you for joining us this morning. Mm-hmm, you bet. Our Prairie Doc topic this week is belly pain and gut health. So if our listeners have any questions for Dr. Evans in regards to belly pain or gut health or any other medical questions, uh, Dr. Evans is always great at answering all of our questions. So give us a call at 605 692 1430. Dr. Evans, I enjoyed reading your essay where you talk about some important research that has been done uh, in the past that really led to developments regarding our gut health. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah, so I, I, had a, I really had fun writing about this story today. So that was a story that I had um, heard first as an anecdote, I think, in a microbiology class, maybe even as an undergraduate. But the story's about uh, the, in the early 80s, how some Australian physician scientists discovered the bacteria that causes a, a high percentage of stomach ulcers, um, which was totally uh, against the grain when it came to what the belief of scientists and gastroenterologists was at that point in time. Um, and so it, it required such a burden of proof that one of the scientists himself actually drank a broth of culture medium with this newly discovered bacterium in it to prove that it caused gastritis. Um, and after that, you know, everyone kind of believed him and the science blew up around this bacteria and uh, things have really changed in, in regards to how we have been able to take care of ulcers and stuff. But a great story. There's so many great stories in medical history that I, I can always just get lost in the weeds in those and could read about them for hours. So. Yeah, it is fascinating how people just, you know, find something that they're passionate about and give their lives over to figuring this out. And yeah, uh, yeah as I was reading that too with this um, Dr. Barry Marshall who who decides, yeah, I'm just going to drink this and see what happens to prove it. To I know, can what you I imagine? Mean, yes. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. If I was his family member, I would be like, no, I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> right. um, probably didn't tell us about it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So he drank it, and then after two weeks, he um, what? He'd used an antibiotic, and he was able to treat it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he, though, I mean, the full story, he wanted to, before he drank it, he had his colleague do an upper endoscopy on him and do biopsies to prove that before he drank this culture, he did not have any gastritis, did not have any ulcers. Then he drank it. He got pretty sick, like, you know, vomited, had pretty bad upset stomach for this two-week illness. And then at about the two-week mark, they did another upper endoscopy, found evidence of inflammation of the stomach gastritis, took biopsies, showed that it was that these bacteria were growing in his stomach. Um, and then he did take um, an antibiotic and sort of an antacid medication and cured himself. 
Um, but yeah, he he fully experimented on himself and and used his own stomach as a case study uh, to open the floodgates of this. Yeah, and yeah, and then you mentioned that in 2005 he received a Nobel Prize in Physiology for their great yep. work. So right, yeah. yeah. So we usually don't recognize how you know science doesn't change fast enough for us to recognize it in the moment. So 20. Three or so years after that event, um, it was recognized for the contribution that they made to advancement of science in gastroenterology. Yeah. So before these discoveries for being able to use an antibiotic like this, um, mm-hmm. there had to be surgery to remove the affected areas? Yeah, so, I mean, a, a couple of things have happened since then. So the, this bacteria used to be a lot more common than it is now. We still do find H. pylori in some cases of ulcers and gastritis. Um, but it's now it's a minority of cases. And back then, if, like when this was discovered and as they started looking under the microscope, they found it in a much higher percentage of ulcers. So probably partly this bacteria has been better eradicated from most water systems and the way that some of these things spread or around the world. Um, but we all, so, so we have, can recognize this bacteria and we can treat it with antibiotics if, if we do see it in patients. But another thing that I couldn't have really have time to talk about in the essay is we also developed better medications for acid in general. So mm-hmm. the, the whole class of PPIs or proton pump inhibitors like omeprazole or ezomeprazole, those are new drugs since that time, which have also kind of revolutionized the treatment of ulcer disease. We didn't have those and we couldn't treat H. pylori back in the early 80s. And so if people had a bad ulcer that bled, the, really the, the cure to that was surgery and so people would have parts of their stomachs removed that's exceedingly rare I mean as a physician who you know I graduated med school not quite 10 years ago I have not I've maybe seen one case of someone requiring surgery on their stomach because of an ulcer Mm -hmm. whereas that was done very commonly back then so things have changed Mm -hmm. ulcers are much less of a big deal in most cases than they used to be Excellent. Well, we look forward to hearing more about belly pain and gut health from you, Dr. Evans, this next half hour. Uh, If our listeners have a question, give us a call at 605-692-1430. We will be going to our first break shortly. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us with any medical questions you would like us to address at 605-692-1430. 1430. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Academic success is an excellent indicator for the overall well-being of youth and a primary predictor and determinant of adult health outcomes. Leading national education organizations recognize the close relationship between health and education, as well as the need to foster health and well-being within the educational environment for all students. If you find your student struggling with classwork, seek help early. The school counselors may be able to direct you to a tutor to help the student stay on course. Also talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings to have your student's health evaluated. 
There is a variety of issues that could be causing the poor grades, such as poor sleep or attention deficit disorder. Call today for an appointment, 605-697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Our Prairie Doc topic this week is belly pain and gut health. Dr. Evans, our digestive system plays a large role in our overall health. What are some things you just want us to be aware of when it comes to our digestive system and um, signs to maybe be aware of that something needs to be addressed? Knowing how concerned to be about some belly symptoms can be really challenging, and, and that's for a few reasons. One is certainly that our gut has its own nervous system and so you know I, I think it's very common and people realize that people might have belly symptoms related to stress and you know I, I wouldn't say that's quote normal um, but it those, those symptoms things like you know having diarrhea or loose stools related to stress or having uh, belly pain during times of stress certainly may not reflect certain concerning GI diseases. That being said, there are some things that non-negotiably you should talk to your doctor about. Um, and so those things, that, you know, if you're having excruciating abdominal pain that's affecting your daily function, probably something to that and, and should be checked out. Um, if you're having, if you ever have blood in your stools or black colored stools, which can reflect bleeding up higher in the GI tract, always assume that's abnormal until, you know, proven benign. So that's something you should talk to your doctor about. Um, And then if you have, you know, some people do have chronic loose stools and we don't ever find a reason for that, but if if that's paired with other things. So if you're losing weight unintentionally, that probably means you're not absorbing your food and that generally reflects something problematic. If you're having, you know, loose stools that affect your ability to work or go to school or function, those are all things that probably should be investigated. So I think patients can have a hard time, and so can we as doctors, knowing what is sort of reflective of something concerning when it comes to GI disease and something that's on the spectrum of uh, things that we maybe don't find a cause for or things that might be on the spectrum of normal um, but that's what we're here for to try and tease out. Um, do you have any concerning signs? Or is this something that we should be testing you for for certain GI diseases? Mm-hmm. It's interesting your comment that you started with about how our gut has its own nervous system. Um, so I'm sure that can be anything where we are maybe have some ongoing issues that we need to address with our mental health or even short term, you know, like performance anxiety and some of those things, how you can yeah. see some of those physical reactions. Um, you, can, you really can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really fascinating how our body works in all those ways. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I think the, the mistake and, and sometimes what people hear when, when we talk about this is, oh, well, they, you know, maybe my doctor or my, my, whoever I'm talking to about this thinks that whatever I'm experiencing isn't real, it's just all in my head. And that's actually, you know, I, when, when I talk to patients about this, I say that it's not all in your head. This is, these are real manifestations of what's going on in your body. I mean, I, I, uh, people, this, these are real pains that people get and real symptoms that people get. 
but sometimes it is a physical manifestation of stress, anxiety, or whatever um, might be going on in, in a person's life. So, mm-hmm. what are some ways to help that? If it is maybe a reaction, if it is our nervous system that's causing the problems, what yeah. what are some ways to address that? Well, honestly, sometimes that's it's not like I can just look at a person and figure out that that's what the issue is. So mm-hmm. often this involves us ruling out other causes of disease. So, mm-hmm. I mean, a good example might be if people are having abdominal pain and diarrhea. Those people probably are going to go through some medical workup because we can't be sure that it's, it isn't some other physical disease that requires a different treatment until we you know, rule out those things. Sometimes with labs or colonoscopy or imaging or whatever, whatever the symptoms warrant. But if, if all that's done and it comes back, quote, normal, sometimes we are left with, well, maybe these symptoms are a reflection of some other things going on in life. And how can we help you address those? Maybe we, if someone has underlying anxiety that's not being well treated, sometimes we need to focus on that. Sometimes people will have these symptoms and we actually just need to treat the symptoms so that maybe that we have them do something different with um, their fiber intake or their diet, or we actually treat them with medications to help their GI symptoms, their diarrhea, or their pain, or whatever it warrants. But we do need to make sure that there's not something more concerning going on in the gut itself, too. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned if um, if you're experiencing a strong abdominal pain, that that is, you know, definitely come in and talk to your um, doctor mm-hmm. about that. What what do you look for then if we come in with strong abdominal pain? Oh, it depends on so many things, Laura. So the 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 belly belly pain a lot of times our um, workups are very dependent on where in the belly the pain is and what other symptoms people are having. So I mean the the sort of emergency belly pain syndromes and there are a number of them, but appendicitis sort of has a classic or typical way that that presents as far as location of the pain and progression. Um, gallbladder disease or cholecystitis has a typical presentation and not, obviously not everyone's perfect. Not every patient sort of presents just like the textbook, but usually location of the pain and quality of the pain is helpful for us. Sometimes we're fooled. I mean, sometimes people will have abdominal pain um, from organs in the stomach. Sometimes, you know, a kidney stone can prevent, present as belly pain and that's, you know, it's sort of a, a, a different situation. Sometimes pelvic disease, especially in women, can present with abdominal pain. So there's a lot of potential causes. And so the history and physical exam are really important for us to know what we should do next to figure out what the cause is. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605 692 1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Skin cancer is the most common cancer in the United States. Unprotected skin can be damaged by the sun's UV rays in less than 15 minutes. Even if it's cool and cloudy, you still need protection. UV rays, not the temperature, do the damage. Anyone can get skin cancer, but some things put you at higher risk. 
The most common signs of skin cancer are changes on your skin, such as a new growth, a sore that doesn't heal, or a change in a mole. Tips to avoid skin cancer include stay in the shade, especially during the late morning through mid-afternoon. Apply sunscreen and reapply every two hours. SPF of 30 or greater is recommended. Have your skin checked regularly and have it checked by a professional at your wellness checks. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Dr. Evans, we have a question. Are there certain foods that are good for our gut, and are there certain foods we should avoid? Yeah, I mean, so that's a it's a pretty broad question, and I would say there are definitely certain uh, gut diseases for which there are foods that should be avoided um, or foods to try and favor. For a, for a healthy gut, so assuming this caller or um, person with a question doesn't have any um, underlying GI disease, I would say a, a healthy, balanced diet is a good diet for your gut. So lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of dietary fiber would be considered good um, for your gut. Um, there are a variety of gut diseases that we have to have people restrict their diets for. So examples of that would be celiac disease or a true um, sort of gluten allergy or intolerance. That those, those people will not absorb nutrients if they're eating gluten based on how that disease works. So those people do have to follow a strict gluten-free diet. There's some people with lactose intolerance that will, you know, they, that's less problematic as far as uh, nutrient absorption, but they will be pretty miserable with chronic diarrhea if they're eating any dairy. Um, and then certainly there, there are some people um, with other types of diseases that we have a variety of diets for that eliminate certain types of foods, or you might hear of the low FODMAP diet for various gut things, and that's kind of a restrictive diet, a harder one to follow. Um, but some dietary recommendations will be based on the actual physiology of the disease someone's experiencing. They also, you know, a very common thing that we see is things like acid reflux or um, guts that have too much acid and people will have some stomach pains from that. Things that we know increase acid production in the stomach are things that we tell those patients to avoid. So if you have a lot of reflux, the things that you should avoid are alcohol, um, lots of caffeine will increase acid production, um, and tobacco. So, you know, I think the, the thing that people classically associate that with is maybe spicy foods, but really probably alcohol and caffeine are even bigger offenders for acid problems. If we're experiencing some digestive issues, is there a certain diet or certain foods you recommend we try to stick with as we try to figure out what's going on? Kind of yeah, experiment. well, I mean, I think if you're if you're worried about if I have patients who are concerned that they might have a food intolerance that's causing their GI symptoms, the way to help sort that out is to do trials of elimination. And so, like I said, a, a common disorder that we see, especially in our population here, can be lactose intolerance. So, but people have to be kind of patient with these changes, right? I mean, they're not always immediate and there's a lot of other factors that go into gut things. So I tell people to do like two week trials. So if you think that 
you might you wonder if you're lactose intolerant, then you got to eliminate all dairy for two weeks and see if your symptoms go away. And if the answer is yes, then great, you found your answer. If, if the answer is no, my, my gut's still doing the same thing two weeks later than it was when I was eating dairy, then that's probably not your answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the case of lactose, a lot, a lot of people don't think of all the things that have dairy in them. So you don't eat, it's not only you're eliminating milk, but you got you can't eat anything with cheese in it or anything that had butter or cream put into it. That's off limits if you're really going to do a trial of elimination of lactose in your diet. Um, but I, I say give things about two weeks to, to really sort out if that's going to help your symptoms. Do we know what causes a lactose intolerance or even a gluten intolerance? Do we know where that comes from? So lactose intolerance is caused because people lose a certain enzyme that helps break down lactose. And so lactose is a type of sugar that's found in milk and other dairy products. And so if we don't make that enzyme in our gut, we don't break that sugar down and the sugar moves along in our gut and it pulls extra water in and gives people that watery diarrhea. Um, so that's kind of it's what we call an osmotic type of diarrhea. And interestingly, um, not everyone's just born with that lactose intolerance. People can develop or lose, um, stop making that enzyme later in life. So even people, you know, maybe a 60-year-old patient can have new lactose intolerance even if that wasn't true for them before. So um, it's, it's something that we do see relatively commonly. So it's, it's often worth, if people are having chronic diarrhea, it's usually worth a try at least to eliminate lactose and see if that's a simple answer for, for their problem. And is it the same for gluten that it might be developed later in life? So, so gluten, I, I'd like to make sure that we're talking about the same thing. So gluten, there's a lot of stuff out there that's maybe less clearly scientific about gluten intolerances Mm. um but and and some people may feel better when they don't have gluten true gluten like allergy like celiac disease is something that can be developed in childhood or later in life yeah so not everyone's born with these gi diseases some people might have new symptoms in their 20s or 30s or later in life um so i would say don't just don't assume that you don't have these allergies or intolerances just because you didn't have them five years ago. They, that can happen as an adult. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're going to go to our final break. and We have a few minutes left. If our listeners have some questions for Dr. Evans, please do give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast, We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. If you have arthritis, participating in joint-friendly physical activity can improve your arthritis pain, function, mood, and quality of life. Joint-friendly physical activities are low impact, which means that they put less stress on the body, reducing the risk of injury. Examples of joint-friendly activities include walking, biking, and swimming. Being physically active can also delay the onset of arthritis-related disabilities and help people with arthritis manage other chronic conditions such as diabetes, heart disease, and obesity. Talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings to learn more about managing arthritis. Call for an appointment at 605-697-9500. 
Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. If you have a question, give us a call at 605-692-1430. Dr. Evans, what is an EGD or an upper endoscopy? Yeah, so an EGD, that stands for esophagastroduodenoscopy. So, and that just tells you what the doctor is able to look at. So an EGD or an upper endoscopy is done if we have concerns about disease in the esophagus, the stomach, or the very first part of the small intestine called the duodenum. Uh, they use a scope or a camera that's, it's very, the procedure itself is similar to a colonoscopy, which maybe people are more familiar with. Um, but they're looking at the upper part of the abdomen. And they can use, you know, a shorter scope because there's, there's not um, as much distance to travel. But so basically they, uh, a patient would be, get some similar sedation so it's not painful or um, challenging to do. They basically swallow this camera that's on, on the scope. And then the endoscopist can look at the esophagus can look at the stomach, can look at the duodenum, and take any biopsies needed to help diagnose disease. Sometimes it's done for therapeutic reasons. So if someone, like, for example, if someone has trouble swallowing or they have food that gets stuck in their esophagus, uh, an EGD might be done. The, the person, if they see something like a stricture, they might biopsy that area to see if there's an abnormality seen under the microscope. But they can also dilate that problem and kind of help fix the, the person's difficulty swallowing at the same time. Mm-hmm. What are some other things you might find in a EGD that, um, in yeah. ways to resolve, res- whether it's through medicine or through um, procedures? Yeah, so um, the, uh, I, I would say a lot of EGDs are diagnostic. So if people are having symptoms of ulcers or gastritis that don't resolve easily with medications, they can look and biopsy those areas. Um, they might, you know, we can biopsy them to look under the microscope to see if they have H. pylori that needs treatment, for example. Um, if, if you're concerned about any mass, you know, masses in the stomach aren't always well seen on something like a CAT scan, so we really have to do an EGD to make sure there's not a mass there. Um, but a lot of times it's looking for ulcers, masses, inflammation, areas of bleeding. So if someone... Um, presents and they have um, evidence of anemia and we don't know why. The most common reason people get iron deficiency anemia is actually from blood loss from the GI tract. So an EGD would be part of the workup looking for, you know, is there an ulcer that's oozing blood? Is there a mass that's oozing blood in the upper part of the GI tract? Mm-hmm. Okay. And before we go, um, we should mention, of course, colonoscopy. It's an important um, health uh, screening and diagnosing process mm-hmm. as well. Do you want to just comment on that real quick before we go, Dr. Evans? Yeah. You know, I think on the TV show tomorrow, we'll have a lot of discussion about colonoscopy, especially as a screening tool. Um, I think we'll have some film of a patient having a colonoscopy done, and we'll have um, a patient testimonial of someone who was uh, diagnosed with colon cancer with a screening colonoscopy. Um, it's important if you haven't had one done and you're over 45, talk to your primary care provider about it, talk about your, what your concerns are and get your questions answered um, because it is a pretty easy and uh, effective tool for screening for cancer. Mm-hmm. And tell us more about tomorrow night's television show. Yeah, I'm really excited. We've got some great guests. So we're the show is about all things belly pain. So we actually have two different types of specialists with us. We're going to have Dr. Christina 
Phil Jensen, who is a gastroenterologist, sort of a medical gastroenterologist, but also does a lot of endoscopy. And then we'll also have a general surgeon. So Dr. Teresa Wee Trudeau from here in Brookings um, will join us from a general surgeon's perspective because a lot of belly problems are actually surgical problems. So I think we'll be able to answer any and all questions that comes in come in with some great experts. Excellent. So yes, that is tomorrow night, October 14th, with Prairie Doc host Kelly Evans, and they'll be discussing belly pains and gut health with Dr. Christina Hill Jensen with Avera Medical Group Gastroenterology, and Dr. Teresa Wee with Avera Medical Group Specialty Care here in Brookings. So you can watch that full episode tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Central on South Dakota Public Broadcasting or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. Well, we hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program today and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. Dr. Kelly Evans, we thank you so much for being with us today. And, uh, thank you, thank, Laura. Yes, and thank you for the great information about belly pain and gut health, and we'll look forward to learning more about that tomorrow. And as we wrap up today, we remember, as Dr. Holm would say, Stay healthy out there, people. <laughs> <laughs>